Travel Nuggets. I'm your host, Christine Goss. This year, I went to the end of the world to celebrate the new year. That's right, a few of my friends and I went down to Patagonia, and that is what we're going to talk to you about in this episode. When most people think of Patagonia, they think about Argentina. But the Patagonia region spreads across the southernmost tip of South America, so it includes Chile as well. And it's the Chilean Patagonia that we're going to fill you in on in today's episode of Travel Nuggets. And by we, I mean John and Aaron, who will be joining me in a little bit. The other hikers who are with me are a little more shy and not really into joining podcasts. But the six of us did hike the W Trek of the Torres de Pana. But before I introduce them, John and Aaron, um, I'm going to give you a few quick facts about the region and a rundown of the hike that we did. So the Patagonia is called the end of the world or the end of the earth because it's the southernmost region of the continent of South America. It's the jumping off point for Antarctica and many travelers do combine their trips with their trip down to Patagonia with an excursion to Antarctica. It's fairly easy to do and something you might consider. We did not, we were a little crunched for time, but I would love to do it at some point. Uh, so there are five national parks in the Chilean Patagonia and we went to Torres de Pana. And that's three words, Torres del D-E-L, Pana, and that's P-A-I-N-E, spelled like Thomas Paine, but pronounced Pana. And it is in the Magellan region of Chile, uh, named after Ferdinand Magellan, the famous explorer who um, went through the Magellan Strait, named after him now. Um, And this region has its own time zone, but that does not matter. When you're down there, you're completely disconnected from time and the normal benchmarks that delineate time in our days, breakfast, lunch, dinner, you just kind of eat when you're hungry um, and you're hiking all day. So that's always, you're always hungry and you go to sleep when you can. Um, So after a day of trekking, you're very excited to fall asleep, Uh, but that usually doesn't happen until about 11 or 12 o'clock at night because it does get dark at 10. Uh, We were there in December and January, which is summer in South America. Um, And um, you know, you just, you're disconnected from the internet. So it is, you're completely unplugged. So time really just doesn't, doesn't matter for those few days that you're hiking. And it is wonderful. Uh, The capital of this region is Punta Arenas. Uh, which sits on the northern part of the Magellan Strait. And that is where you fly into to um, to get started on this trek. After that, you do have a two-hour bus ride to Puerto Natales, which is the town where trekkers leave for the National Park, Torres del Pana. And that park is actually another you know hour bus ride away, maybe a little bit more. Um, and all this brings me to a very important travel nugget of information for those of you who are considering going or have decided to go. It takes a really long time to get there. They call it the end of the earth or the end of the world for a reason. It takes a solid two days, maybe a little more. um, And we did not realize that. Um, We had heard there was an airport in Puerto Natales. We thought we could just kind of get a direct flight or just stop through Santiago, but that is not the case. Um, In fact, we divided uh, the, the different responsibilities for booking this trip. And I was responsible for finding the, the trekking company and uh, booking the date and everything. And my friend Celia was going to research the flights and we ended up booking the trekking to start on December 28th. So we thought this is great. We can enjoy Christmas with our families and, you know, all the festivities and then hop on a plane and go hike hike the W track. Well, uh, I got uh, a text from Celia late one night and she said, oh my goodness, I think we're going to have to miss Christmas. 
Um, and it turned out we didn't miss Christmas, but we did have to leave on December 25th out of Boston. And we went December 25th, left around four or five to Atlanta, from Atlanta to Santiago. Uh, we had a very long layover in Santiago. And that was actually great. We did get a hotel because I think it was 11 hours, but we could go out in Santiago and there was palm trees. It was beautiful. We ate lunch outside. It was warm. And for us coming from a Boston, Massachusetts Christmas, um, it was just wonderful to soak up that sunshine because it did get colder down in the Patagonia, even though it was their summer, it's still pretty cold and, and something that you do need to pack for. But after that, you know, after that 11 hour layover, we flew down to Punta Arenas and then took that two hour bus to Puerto Natales where we um, stayed at a, a guest house. And the next morning of December 28th, got on another bus and went down to, um, to the national park. So again, it's the end of the world, the end of the earth. You do need to, to factor in all that time to get there, four days, two on each side. Uh, but it is well worth it. I, I have to say, it just it's really um, it's so pristine down there and and quiet. And uh, I guess that that's you know a result of being so difficult to get to. Uh, I did want to just you know, make a comment about tour companies. You do not need to do it. I would have done it again. We used it. It was very convenient, but. There are really, you know, just two basic treks that you do down there. They're called treks or circuits. The O circuit or the W circuit. Uh, and they, those letters reflect the shape. So the O circuit is longer. It goes all the way around the park. Um, and, well, probably not all the way around the park. It's, it's just in circle. Uh, but it's 6 to 10 days and it is 68 miles. The W circuit only takes 4 days, you know, 3 nights, and it's 46 miles. Uh, if you do have time to do the O, it, it, it must be beautiful, uh, but we, we really didn't have enough time for that, so we just did the W. It is very well marked out. Uh, you really can't get lost, and you end up in the same lodges and campsites as your fellow trekkers, those that you start with. So you do see the same people over and over again. You can't get lost, and... Uh, the there there really isn't any dangerous wildlife. Uh, we didn't actually see any. I'm mean, just birds, uh, but it's the climate is too tough. I think there. Um, so you can do it on your own, but we enjoyed the convenience of having all of our accommodations uh, scheduled, our meals, our box meals uh, that we could pick up all organized, and it was only you know eight hundred twenty five dollars. Then that's for the trek. That, and we use Chili Tour, Chili Tour Patagonia, or ChiliTourPatagonia.com is how you find them. And, um, you know, the, the food is very basic. It is not glamping either. You know, the first night's a hostel, and after that it's tent camping. But our company did give us a guide for the first day because they said that was more complicated. We got some mats to sleep on. Our tents were set up. We didn't have to carry you know, food other than the, the boxed meals that we were given for each day. Uh, a lot of granola, a lot of Nature Valley granola bars. So um, just, you know, beware that it's, it's not glamping and you are out sleeping, sleeping in tents. It's cold and you have to pack for it. Uh, you also need to pack for the rain because uh, it's the weather changes by the minute. It's what in our first day, it was just freezing cold rain. My head was down the whole time. The next day, it was just beautiful sunshine. 
I think it maybe rained later in the day uh, again, but it just it changes so fast and the wind is something you will very much um, take away from this whole trek that there were times that you were just hiking and hiking and hiking with people that, you know, you you couldn't even talk. You were just next to them because the wind was so intense. Your head was down and um, and you were just trying to trying to get through it. So uh, the elements are um, certainly challenging. And even though it's summer, it is not warm. So please beware. Uh, that said, uh, let's talk about the geography a little bit more. Um, the Andes Mountains divides Chile and Argentina. And the, Ch- the Argentine side is supposed to be drier, more deserts, grasslands while the Chilean side has is marked by, by glacial fjords. And that is really just what you're gonna take away from this trip is the intense blue. It is just seared in your mind of, you didn't know that this many colors and shades of vibrant blue can exist, but for a large part of the hike, you were um, on the left side, you're going by this glacial lake called, um, and I'm going to attempt to say it, but I know I'll mess it up. It's Nordernskold, N-O-R-D-E-R-N-S-K-J-O with the dots over it, the two dots, O-L-D, lake. And it is just the most intense, beautiful blue you've ever seen. And just combined with the sky and during one portion of the hike, just these rolling green hills, it was um, just breathtaking. Um, and then you know, no day of this hike is ever the same, the scenery-wise. Um, you do end, you know, day four going to the gray, gray, the gray glacier, and it's cold there, and just the again blue everywhere. But there was this one day, um, and I think it was day two, where we were walking in what seemed like a birch forest, and all of a sudden we ended up in this beach and it was the beach of the the lake but the sand was white and the water just looked almost like the caribbean uh and just i think a few hours later we ended up you know looking at this snow-capped mountain where there was avalanches so it just it's it, there's just so much to take in perez de Pana actually means blue towers and um you will know exactly why once you go there and i actually got the idea for doing this trip after um, reading about it. I was coming back from the Galapagos last Christmas and the magazine in the airplane had a little feature on Torres de Pana and I remember flipping through and I saw these pictures and I thought, oh my gosh, this is the most beautiful place. I I can't, can this exist? Are these photoshopped? It's even better in real life, It, it really is. This was a trip of a lifetime, at least for me. It certainly was hard, it was exhausting. It's not for everybody, uh, but it was definitely one of the most amazing experiences that I've had. Thanks for joining Travel Nuggets, John. So why did you decide to go on this vacation? Um, Honestly, I just, I didn't really know too much about it. I think that's probably uh, one of the main reasons. Um, Definitely an adventure. And did it live up to that challenge? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, (laughs) it was, it was more than what I thought it was going to be. I honestly should have been training and stuff. And it was, it was beautiful too. Like, I mean, the pictures that we got didn't even begin to touch upon like what it actually looked like. It was just amazing. 
So did you think that it was physically exhausting or was it all, you know, was it worth it? What would you, would you do it again? I guess is what I'm asking. So, um, I've actually talked to a couple people about this cause they asked me about the trip as well. Uh, in my opinion, I feel like it was, a, it was an amazing experience. I would suggest it to anybody, um, to go and do the W track. It was, it was such a great time. Um, I will say though that like, for me, I'm in pretty good shape. Uh, at the end of this thing, I was hurting for like, I don't know, like, like a week or two. Um, it, it is pretty intense. So with that said, I mean, if I was to go with like close family members or something like that, maybe I'd do it again. But it seems kind of like the best way to describe it would be um, the best vacation, you know, I only just wanted to do once. <laughs> that is perfect. And it also makes me kind of happy to hear you say that you were hurting for a few days after because I definitely was. And I think our group, you know, there weren't any real complainers in it. So we all kind of kept up a great pace. Um, what was your favorite day, would you say? Okay, so um, I figured you'd ask a question like that. I, I pulled it up, the map, because I mean, it's been a little bit since we went. But um, so we just did the typical W track, uh, not the whole circle, which I believe you can do. Um, it's pretty long. Um, for me, I'd say probably once we were on our own and we were going through that, uh, that second leg, I believe it was like the second day. Um, I think that was probably my favorite part, that and then going into the um, Valley de, del Francis, uh, that big valley, that was that was pretty amazing. The, uh, the pictures that we got and stuff were just like, it was epic. Uh, very cold and windy, but definitely a good time. That was actually my favorite day as well, and I think it was because I was so blown away by the physical beauty around us and the colors. Because our first day was a little, um, it was dark, it was rain, very cold rain. And I think I had my head down for most of it just because I was trying to stay warm. And um, and then that next day we were walking and it was sort of rolling hills. Uh, and it was actually what our guide called Patagonia Flat, and which was not flat. Yeah. And, and we came up over this hill and finally saw that glacial lake and I do not, never learned how to pronounce it, but the Nordeskold Lake, which was on our left side for most of that hike, and it was such a brilliant blue. And then as we walked towards the right, that's when we hit those um, snow-capped mountains. And it was just such a bizarre contrast because one side looked almost tropical and the other one looked alpine. Oh yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, yeah, I got some, I got some good pictures too. Um, it was just, it was so weird. It was this sense of just like, like you were just in awe looking at it because on, like how you said on one side, it was just completely tropical and beautiful and like sunny. And then you turn to the right and you just see these snow-capped mountains with like avalanches coming off in the background and just wind and like it, you truly do experience like all seasons, you know, when you go there. Um, yeah, each day is never normal, so. Yeah, and what I totally agree with you. The idea of layering and dressing in layers takes on a whole new meaning. Um, you're constantly, like, one minute you're sweating and then you're freezing. Uh, but one of my favorite pictures that um, actually you took, John, um, Alexandra and Silly and I were sitting on a rock in front of um, this kind of snow-capped mountain, and all of a sudden we heard this pop, and you went, 
an avalanche just happened behind you. Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. I mean, like, I, I have a couple videos of them actually going on. And, um, I mean, you're miles away from it, you know, actually happening, so you're not really in any danger. But, I mean, the, the sounds that it makes is just incredible. Like, to realize that, you know, this little bit, you know, what you see on your phone of what you think might be an avalanche is actually up close, like, tons and tons of ice and snow with rock falling down this mountainside. It's just, it's crazy to think about. Tell the listeners a little bit more about the camping and the sleeping arrangements and the food and that sort of comfort aspect of this trek and whether you expected that or not. So in the beginning, we, we stayed in a, uh, was like, like a lodge type area, which is pretty nice. Um, the camping was it was pretty good you know I from what I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be just like super rugged like military like out in the cold you know shivering and just like really out there but it was surprisingly really comfortable um there were some issues with what we with what we had paid for I guess and what we got um but all in all I'd say it was a pretty good experience you know like you get to be out there in like in the wild like really like in the elements and then you just have like this this decent sense of comfort you know where you don't have to worry too much so it was a good time one thing that really surprised me was the fact that at every lodge there was good beer would you say that yeah absolutely i think um probably one of my favorite spots i can't remember where it was i think it was italiano is that, is that the bar that I'm thinking of? There was, um, and then you kind of like, when you leave it, you kind of go down into the valley a little bit. I think that was Italiano. Yes, that was going into Italiano, exactly. Yeah, so that, that was a good one. Um, when we got there, I was like, you overlooked the lake and everything. It was just, it was a cool view. And on top of that, like, it was like, the lodge was just really cool. Um, you know, all the people were there talking about the hike and stuff like that. And they had, they had good beer. And all that, so it was, it was a good time. John, how many chocolate bars do you think you ate every day? <laughs> John, John, for the listeners, would eat. We would get these boxed meals at, or bagged meals, at every stop. You know that we could pick up a lunch and everything, and all of them had like three or four chocolate bars that people didn't want to eat. So John would just collect them, and I don't know how many. How many do you think you ate? Oh my god, honestly, I I mean, every time you guys would look back at me, I was just eating the whole time. Like, uh, I just, I felt like I was like the trash can of the group. <laughs> Getting either extra stuff and whatnot, like, um, but you get super hungry out there. You burn all these calories and like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it, but like, you just want to keep on eating. That's what gives you the energy to push through. So yeah, definitely probably like uh, maybe 40 or something like that. <laughs> spend a lot of time like just working out you know the scenery's great and stuff like that but i mean you got to keep going and uh i'd say for a decent amount of the trip you're actually looking down at your feet um yeah but to keep that energy up you definitely need uh, some uh, decent caloric intake so those chocolate bars really help but um yeah yeah definitely a lot of walking burn a lot of calories Tell us a little bit more about Porto Natale's and the town there, because you were very taken with the dogs. I think, like, I mean, I haven't been to a lot of countries outside the U.S. I have been to most, uh, a decent amount of Europe, um, but I guess just the uh, the parts that I've been to, I mean, it, it had such a different feel, this, this, uh, this town. Like, I've never seen dogs just run around, like, 
living living the dream. Uh, like they're just everywhere, and I mean they're chasing cars. They're laying down the sidewalk. Like they don't even care. They're they're hanging outside of restaurants, getting free food. It was just like all. It, it just reminded me of all dogs go to heaven. Like this must like be the place that when dogs like pass away, they just show up in Puerto Natales. Like it's just it was unreal. And was it one of your most memorable New Year's Eve? Yes, it was, and it's, it was funny. I was actually, I was talking to a couple of my friends and my mom about that, like, that was probably the, uh, the first New Year's in a long time where, like, I think I was 100% sober, and I was, like, so tired and just, like, in such a bad mood, but yet it was such a memorable time. Like, I just remember sitting there, and, like, the, the clock strikes 12 or whatever, and I'm just like, wow, like, I, I feel like crap right now, but, like, this is, this is so epic. Like, I'm in, you know, I'm down in Chile, like, about to, you know, just got back from my hike and whatnot, and, like, it was just such a weird feeling of, like, you know, achievement, but just, like, I felt terrible. <laughs> you know, four days of hiking, I mean, it's going to get you. Well, you could have fooled everyone because I did not know you were in a terrible mood. In fact, you you had this way of complaining in the most pleasant way. Uh, I remember on day two, you said, it's not the weight, because we were carrying these these big packs, you know. It's not the weight that bothers me. It's just the distance. And it was only like we were a day and a half in. And I was yeah. like, oh, boy. Yeah, so, I, I mean, there's, there's a multitude of reasons why I think that it was harder than it should have been for me. Um, I think like through my, some of my military training, I had like a decent amount of resilience and definitely a sense of humor comes along with that. You know, you don't want to be the guy that's just, you know, complaining and dragging everyone down, but it, it is important to acknowledge things and make a joke out of it. And that's how you get through it. Um, I will say that the, the pack, the weight didn't really bother me. Um, just the constant like foot after foot, step after step, like, um, I know a big one had to do with my boots. I, I wore these military boots. They weren't necessarily made for hiking, and they were a little heavy. So if I could recommend anything, um, it would definitely be to get a pair of hiking boots and also to wear them in very well and definitely practice some long-distance hiking before you go. Yeah, and I also I did bring trekking poles because they recommended it, and I totally thought it was stupid but I'd read it so many times and it, it did really help me especially on day four when my ankles really started to bother me so um I don't know that that was kind of worth it for me well we got the we got the polls um on the first day if we wanted them um but I remember using the polls for a little bit and at first I was like, oh, this is stupid. You know, why, why do I have these things? And like towards the end, like you really, really notice a difference, you know, after using them for so long. So especially going up, uphill. Do you have any other advice that you would give to people who are going to Chile specifically, whether it's, you know, how to book a flight? Like, do you have anything else you, you'd give to listeners out there that are considering? Definitely the boot thing um, that... That definitely held me back a little bit. Um, just be prepared to have a really good time and uh, definitely put in some work. Um, prepare for sure. Um, you know, wearing your boots, do some long distance hikes because you can think that you're in shape, but you know, 
you might think like it's just a hike, but this thing is it's killer. Like it'll it'll really get you. So yeah, definitely prepare and um, brush up on some Spanish, maybe a little Duolingo. It'll definitely help. Well, I have a quick pop quiz for you before I let you go. What does Torres de Pana mean? Ooh, uh, what is it? it? I think it has to do with the uh, the towers. I, I learned this. It's been a little bit. I thought it, I thought it had to do with the towers, right? Yep. It is the towers. Blue towers. That's the one thing that we didn't get to see too, which was pretty unfortunate. But um, like the guide said, you know, it's it's Patagonia, so you just gotta live it. You know, live it and love it. One day you'll be in the rain, and one day it'll be beautiful out. So. Well, thanks so much for joining Travel Nuggets, John. Thank you for having me, Christine. Hi, Erin. Thanks for joining Travel Nuggets. Thanks so much for having me on, Christine. So tell us about, well, first we should give a little background about how we met. Um, we actually met in Torres de Pana on the first, the evening of the first day of the hike. And Erin um, was hiking alone down there. So Erin, tell us, you know, what brought you down to Torres de Pana and uh, why you you came over to talk to us. Yeah, so I decided to make the trip because a friend of mine did it and I saw their amazing photos on Instagram probably and decided that it was a trek I needed to do. I'd previously uh, done a longer trek uh, with a friend, with my, with my brother actually, and decided I wanted to do it, try another one. I couldn't get anybody to come with me, so I just decided to go for it on my own. And I came to sit with you guys because I had just ordered a beer from the bar and needed a place to sit down and drink it. And you had some open space. <laughs> so um, that brings us to um, the point that I, with John and I had discussed. Um, there was, while the food was kind of sparse and pretty plain, the trail was very well mapped out. And on each stop, there was always plenty of beer. So... What kind of training did you do to get ready for a trip like this? I didn't do any training. Uh, I run a lot. So my my general fitness is pretty good. And I did not find the course to be, or the trail, I should say, to be particularly physically challenging. There are long days, but I did not think it was, I wouldn't say it was hard. We should add that Erin just ran a marathon this weekend. So um, <laughs> that's true. This is an interesting contrast to John. John and I just talked about how exhausted we were and um, how much in pain we were after that hike. So um, oh. clearly superior in her fitness levels. So you saw all these pictures on Instagram. Tell us about the hike and it, did it live up to your expectations? And what are the images that really popped out in your mind, you know, just we're about two and a half months, maybe three months away from this trip. And it's always a good time to reflect, you know, after that and think, what is it that I really remember about that trip? Yeah, sure. So there's that iconic viewpoint of the Torres del Pana peak. Uh, that was pretty incredible. But the day that I went, it was super cloudy. So I got a great view and it was very memorable being there. And I, you know, felt like I'd accomplished something by making that trip, which was, I think, definitely the hardest hike of the entire week about I was there. Uh, but I think the most memorable 
point to me was the point of the trail where we were walking along the side of one of the lakes in the park. And uh, part of that track was just right on, I mean, it wasn't a beach the way you'd think of it normally. It wasn't sandy. It was just super rocky, but it was just gorgeous. The lake was just this perfect blue and the sun was out. And so it was fairly warm and nobody was around. And I just sat down on a log on the side of this lake and ate my lunch and got to enjoy some solitude in this perfect location. I think that was for me, the high point of the, of the trekking. It's funny that you brought that up because that is one of the things that pop out in my head. Um, when I think about this trip, no, like every minute seemed to change. And I remember when we found that beach and we all were just befuddled because we had been in the woods. There was a (laughs) birch forest. And then all of a sudden, like we were just on the beach and it was like white sand, but it was really pebbles and it looked tropical. I mean, it looked like what you'd think like St. Tropez would look like, or I don't know, but it was just such a bizarre, like we just found ourselves on a beach. Yeah, definitely. It felt super random. And I think it also really stood out in terms of the amazing views you have throughout the hike, because it was the one where you weren't looking at a lake from afar or just looking at mountain peaks and that sort of thing. There are a million amazing views of mountain peaks, but in that moment, you had something completely different and not really expected. Yeah. And so I don't know who made it there first, but I should add for our listeners. So we met um, Erin at the hostel the first night and then just kind of kept bumping into her throughout the hike before we decided that we should all just hike together. Um, so that, um, and the, the trail is very well paved out. So um, can you speak to that? Were you a little nervous going as a solo traveler, just hiking in the woods? And um, were you, what were your impressions? Yeah, not at all, actually. I had heard before I went that the trail is extremely well maintained and it's impossible to get lost and it was even easier to navigate than I thought it would be. I have done hikes in our own National Forest Service here at home in the United States that are abysmally marked where I've gotten lost where I had some real safety concerns being in the middle of the mountains with you know no way to get home and no cell phone reception. If we couldn't refine the trail that definitely was not the case here. Uh, there were elevation maps and uh, distance and arrow markers and all that sort of stuff, like multiple points throughout uh, the trails every day. And I'd also heard that, you know, everybody does more or less the same trek. So every night in these lodges, there's a limited amount of space for people and you're going to be seeing the same people basically every single night at every stop, which ended up being true. You and your group, you guys aren't the only people that I saw repeatedly and befriended on the trip. You're the only ones that I'm staying in touch with now that I'm back home. But I definitely met lots of people and knew that would be the case before I signed up for this. So I thought, you know, it's far away, but it's not exactly an intimidating option for a solo backpacking expedition. Yeah. Well, this was my first um, long backpacking expedition. And I think I am hooked. I, I did love it. What, where do you think it stands? It sounds like you do this a lot. Um, Where do you, how does it fall in terms of your experiences? Would you highly recommend it? Um, Is it an entry level? Uh, What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I definitely don't do this a lot. I have done a couple other um, through tracks like this where I was hauling my, well, where I, you know, was sleeping, spending the night at various points along a trail. Once was when I was in college doesn't count a very long time ago. And then I went to Nepal about a year ago and did two weeks 
trekking there, but we had a porter, we had a guide. So I, I don't know about level of difficulty, how it would compare. I would say this was probably easier than the trek that we did in Nepal, but the two experiences were just completely different. I mean, we stayed in these lodges in Nepal that were much more basic than even the hostel-like accommodations that you have uh, on the W trek. And these lodges are in actual villages that are inhabited by people who, you know, are live in Nepal. Um, I'm not really sure what economy there is in some of these villages outside of tourism, but, you know, there, there are people who are there who aren't just employees of the lodges. So it gives you a little bit of a flavor for what life is like in that part of the world that I don't think you get doing the W trek. So we're definitely going to have you back on Travel Nuggets to talk about Nepal. Um, But I'm very interested in bridging beyond what you did after uh, Torres de Pana. We parted ways, you continued hiking, but then I noticed on Facebook, there was pictures of penguins. So can you tell us, uh, you continued your travels. Where did you go after Torres de Pana? Yeah, so I went down to uh, Puerto Natales and took a day trip to, I think it's called Isla Magdalena or something like that. It is the Penguin Island and it is inhabited by tons of nesting pairs of penguins and all of their baby penguins. In the spring, um, the penguins were super adorable. And uh, yeah, the day trip, you just basically take a boat out there, you spend an hour, you walk around, you take a bunch of selfies with penguins you take a boat ride by this other little island that has a bunch of sea lions and then you you go back that that's the trip but a little longer than a half day but it was super fun um so what kind of penguins were there uh it's just one breed of penguin i forget what the name of the penguin is but they're one of the smaller breeds Sorry, I can't be more helpful on that. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get to pet any of the penguins? No. uh, Strict no touching policy. You also had to uh, be within sight of the guide at all times, at least on the trip trip that we did. It's like in the Galapagos. Yeah. Yeah. Not a petting zoo of penguins. Unfortunately, that would have been, I don't know, maybe even more fun. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, would you recommend this trip for, um, you tend to travel a lot. How does this fall? Would you recommend it to your friends? Uh, what are your final thoughts? Yes, definite recommend. I, I have seen penguins other places in the wild. I think that this one though, uh, especially if you have time, this part of the world, I think it's worth a day of your time for sure. Yeah. What about Torres de Pana? 100% recommend. I would love to go back and do the full O circuit. I had an amazing trip. Maybe next year. I was trying to convince John to do um, Argentina, the Argentine Patagonia. Um, Yeah. We'll see if in a year everyone's recovered. But I think I love going down to South America at Christmas time. It's just, it's so cool. It's such a good contrast. And it's not that hot, even though it's their summer. It's still fine. Yeah, definitely. Especially that far south. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Travel Nuggets. I'll post more information about this episode, including helpful links on the Travel Nuggets website. Please visit travelnuggetspodcast.com. There, you can check out additional episodes or download them wherever you get your podcasts. And 
I'd love to hear your feedback and ideas. You can email me at travelnuggetspodcast at gmail.com.